Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. So it is my privilege to share the word of God with you this morning. So this year we have been in a year-long theme called Christology. Poke your neighbor, tell him Christology. So we've got a theme scripture, and if the media team can slap that up on the screen. So Revelation 1.8, let's all read it together. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Let's do it in Espanol. Vamos a leer. Yo soy el Alpha y la Omega, el principio y el fin, Apocalipsis 1.8. Give yourselves a hand. Come on. And this whole year, what have we been doing? We have been finding Jesus from cover to cover. Poke your neighbor, tell him, hey, we're finding Jesus. Poke another neighbor from cover to cover. And find another, uh, another neighbor, and let's practice our Espanol. Are you ready? Este año estamos descubriendo a Jesucristo de principio a fin. Give, all right. All right. I, I've, got a word, I've got a word for you today. Are you ready, Encounter Church? Before we dive into the funness that is today, we have some special things that have happened. I am laying eyes on my good friends, Alex and Alicia and Magdalena. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on, give them a hand. Some of you are like, wow, who are they? So Alex and Alicia, and that's uh, Alex's mom, Magna. So Alex and Alicia moved here with us from New Mexico to plant the church back in 2014. And so they, they were in New Mexico for a season, but guess what? They're back! Woo! We are so excited to have them back. It's, it's like homecoming. So I'm, I'm just so excited today. Lots of good things happening, okay? So a few months ago, I preached a message called Watchmen. Can you say Watchmen? And so in that message, we were coming out of the book of Isaiah, and we learned about intercession. Can you say intercession? intercession? So we talked about how, as disciples of Jesus, any disciples of Jesus out there? Anybody? All right, bet. So as disciples of Jesus, we are all called to a life of intercession. And we learned three things. We learned that intercession begins with God's... Let's, intercession begins with God's... We also learned that intercession takes persistence and intercession prepares the way. And what was our Christology principle from that? How did we find Jesus in, from cover to cover in this? Well, in Romans 8, we learned that Jesus, after his crucifixion, he ascended into heaven. And Romans 8 says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, forever interceding on our behalf. Jesus is the intercessor. So I want you to think about that. Right now, Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. Whoa. That's Christology right there. Jesus is interceding for you. And I'm believing and I've been interceding that God would bless you today. That God would move in our hearts. I'm believing that this would produce a, a move of his spirit today. So are you ready, Encounter Church? Are you ready for Watchmen Part 2? All right, let's jump into it. So, what is a watchman? Well, the Hebrew definition for watchman is to look out or keep watch. 
or it means to lean forward and peer out into the distance. Can you do that? Can you lean forward? Maybe squint a bit like you're trying to see something really far away. For those of us, that's not really that hard, right? (laughs) But a watchman is somebody like a sentry that was posted on the walls of a city, and their whole job was to, to lean out and look and see what they could see. And then whatever they saw, maybe they saw an enemy coming to attack them. Or maybe they saw, you know, a caravan of people coming and their job was to tell people, hey, open up the doors or shut the doors. There's somebody out there. So can I give you a quick story? So my oldest son, so for those of you that don't know, uh, Bree, the the short blonde one that was up here earlier, that's my wife. Um, So Bree and I, we have two kiddos. We've got Joshua and Abby. All right. So Joshua is going to be four in December, which is a little crazy. And Abby is about one and a half. And so this uh, semester, we actually put Joshi into pre-K. So he went into at North Cobb Christian. It's a great school. We're loving it. He's doing awesome, by the way. So partway through the semester, the teacher, you know, we meet up for a parent teacher conference. Any parents out there been to a parent teacher conference? It's kind of scary because I'm coming in like, oh, gosh, what has my son done? And so we kind of go into this meeting, and his teacher is Mrs. Booth, and Mrs. Booth is awesome. And so we sit down, and she's talking about how amazing Joshua is. He's, he's doing so great. He's listening, and he's, he's obeying. He's following instructions. He's learning his colors and his numbers. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, are we talking about the same kid? Because the kid you're describing right now is not the one that comes home with me, all right? But she's saying all these great things, but then she's telling me, well, there's one area that we're really working with Joshua on, all right? And this is, you know, helping him to realize he's responsible for himself, okay? And so what, what happens is, is that, you know, Joshua, maybe Mrs. Booth says, all right, everyone, come and, come and sit on the rug. It's, it's reading time. And so Joshua will be one of the first ones to sit down on the rug. He's got his hands in his lap, you know, waiting for her to start. But then maybe one of the other kids gets up. And starts, you know, walking around and doing things. And so, out of a good heart, Joshua will get up and get up in that kid's face and be like, Mrs. Booth said to sit down. You got to sit down. Right? And I'm like, that sounds more like my son. And, and so she's been teaching him that, like, hey, you are responsible for you. Because what happens? You're trying to wrangle a room of, like, 12, 3, 4-year-olds God, have mercy on these teachers. We pray for them. And then she's just about to get him there. And then my son jumps up, runs out, creates some chaos as he's trying to help her get kids situated. Right? So it's not ill-intentioned. He's trying to be a helper. But, you know, he's being kind of like a watchman. He's peering out. Which, which kids are disobeying Mrs. Booth right now? Let me find them. But as he's doing that, He's missing the key part of being a watchman because then he's jumping up. He's getting off the table. He's causing chaos, and he's actually beginning to disobey Mrs. Booth. So if you see him today, maybe this will work. You can ask him, Joshi, who are you responsible for? He should learn. He should be saying, myself. If he doesn't, talk to me, all right? (laughs) See, but Joshi is trying to be a watchman, but he's missing the most important part. And why is this story important? Because that's what a lot of us do in the church. We're trying to be a watchman. We're going into our city and we're peering out and, we're, and we're, we're finding sin. We're finding lost people. But maybe in our own hearts, it's not right. And we come out of a place of disobedience trying to get them in line. 
So today, we're going to learn the three W's of being a watchman. And we're coming out of the prophet Ezekiel. The three W's of being a watchman. The three what's? So the three W's are word, warn, and wonder. Let's say it together. Word, warn, wonder. Once again, word, warn, wonder. So we're going to delve further into our calling to be watchmen by exploring these three W's that we learn from the prophet Ezekiel. Okay? So let's start with number one, which is word. Poke your neighbor. Say word. So we're coming out of Ezekiel chapter 3, and we're going to start talking about word, reading verses 1 through 4 and verse 10. Are you ready? So you can follow along in the Bible app uh, or on the screen, or we have printed outlines in the back if you want to grab one of those to follow along and take some notes. But Ezekiel 3, starting in verse 1, it, sa- uh, it says, The voice said to me, Son of man, eat what I am giving you. Eat this scroll. Then go and give its message to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Fill your stomach with this, he said. And when I ate it, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said, Son of man, go to the people of Israel and give them my messages. Then he added, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Can you say word? So what's the context behind the scripture? What's happening right now? So at this point in history, Ezekiel just had these crazy encounters with God and was commissioned to be a prophet, okay? And so Ezekiel was a part of a group of Israelites that were exiled from Israel to the land of Babylon, okay? So interestingly enough, around this time that Ezekiel is prophesying, the, the uh, prophet uh, Jeremiah is in Israel prophesying to the Israelites still there. So Jeremiah is here in Israel prophesying to the Israelites, and Ezekiel is prophesying to the exiles in the land of Babylon. And so God commissions him as a prophet, and then he has this encounter where God says, Hey, Ezekiel, before you jump into being a watchman, before you jump into anything else, first let's get something straight. Get this scroll, get this word deep into your own heart first. Let it sink down. Let it permeate everything on the inside. Let's watch for it carefully in your own heart first. And see, some of us, I know myself included at times, we're going out to be watchmen. We're going out to tell people about Jesus, but we haven't eaten the scroll ourselves. And so all that we're communicating, it's, it's religion. We're not communicating revelation. We're not communicating from the scroll penetrating our hearts. We have to eat the scroll. It's got to permeate us from the inside out. Because what does religion do? Religion tries to put on, you know, all all these things on the outside. We try to create these rules and regulations and structures and standards and measurements to, to, to measure our performance, to make sure we're living up to a level that will please God. But what does the gospel say? The gospel says, get this word of faith into your heart And I will change you from the inside out. Religion tries to change us from the outside in. But the gospel changes us from the inside. 
out. And you know what, friend? I was there for 16 years. I felt a call of God on my life. Growing up as, as a pastor's kid, I, I, I felt the call of God. I remember having encounters with the Lord. But all I did was construct this, this nice you know, religious structure around myself. And I thought that that was enough. I thought that my performance, my goodness, my morality would be enough to please God. But it wasn't until I was 17 when I was broken and I had lost everything from a rebellious life that I laid everything down. And I said, I'll eat whatever you give me, God. Just give me something. And his words sank down deep into my heart. And I was transformed from the inside out. But Caleb, how, how is that possible? It's supernatural. It's a work of faith. Can you say faith? So the first W of a watchman is word. We can't be peering out at others if his word hasn't sunk down into our own hearts. Has he changed you from the inside out? Has he transformed the inward places of your heart? Or do you find yourself languishing in religious performance, frustrated that you're not meeting it? I don't know about you, but I have been there and I never want to go back. I never want to go back to a place of striving to please God when he's already made a way for me. He's already done the work. Why, why does this message need to sink into our hearts in counter church? It has to sink into our hearts because it's, it's a supernatural work of faith. We can't fake being born again. We can't. Jesus... When he came, what did he tell the, the, the Pharisees? He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look perfect, and, and you've created all the structures and, and, and all, the, all the religious performances there. You've memorized the Torah. You're, you're straining all of these you know, things out of your food. You're washing this. You're doing that. You're doing all the things right, but your hearts are dead. I don't know about you, but I was trying to do all the right things, but my heart was dead. And it was only by a work of faith. It was only when I gave everything to Jesus. I surrendered to Jesus and I let him invade me from the inside out. Everything in me changed. Let it sink down deep into your heart, Encounter Church. Let his word transform. Before we ever can reconcile others to God, we must first be reconciled to him. We can't give our message to the world with any amount of authority or power if it hasn't first done its work in us. Because, guys, the, the, the calling of the church of Jesus Christ is not to stand on another political platform. It's not to stand for another message. It's not another ideology. It's not a philosophy. It's not a moralistic set of beliefs. The call of the church of Jesus Christ is to proclaim this gospel to the ends of the earth so that everyone has the opportunity to repent and draw close to God once again. This, this message we have, this is heaven and hell. This is eternity. This isn't just a good message. This is the salvation of souls. This is restoring sons and daughters back to the heart of God. If this doesn't sink into our hearts, there's eternity. 
Let it sink into us first. Let him change us. And you know, I love what uh, Pastor Kwame was saying in worship about, how, about God's word. Because I don't know about you, but my words, they fall flat. In the face of eternity, my words, they fall flat. But only one word remains everlasting. Only one word spoke the universe into existence. Only one word breathed life and created. Only one word sustains all of the heavens and the earth by its authority. And that word is Jesus Christ. You see, if I go out there to be a watchman with only my word, all I have is the natural. All I have is the carnal. All I have is this. But if I let it sink down into my heart and I'm bringing the eternal word of God to people, it lasts for eternity. Our words aren't enough, but his word is more than enough. So let's get it into our hearts. Let it sink down deep into us and change us from the inside out so that our world will have a clear witness of Jesus. Did you know that 96% of Gen Z doesn't have a biblical worldview? There is a generation of young people that by and large have not had a clear witness for Jesus Christ. Church, we have some work to do, but let it start here. I want my son to grow up not knowing that daddy is a preacher and a pastor. I want him to grow up seeing Jesus in me. I have a long way to go. Help me, Jesus. Don't we all? But that's why there's grace. That's why this word comes into our hearts. The first W of a watchman is word. Let his word sink into your heart, friend. Maybe you were like me as a teenager, and today you find yourself far from God. Maybe you're even trying to do all the things to please him. Maybe today is the day for you, friend, that everything changes, that his word bypasses all and sinks into your heart, and you're transformed from the inside out. Can you say word? So what's our Christology principle? How do we discover Jesus in this? Well, John 1 says Jesus is the... Jesus is the word. And I love it because when Jesus comes to live inside of us, do you know what happens? He says that he writes his laws in our hearts. That he takes out a hard heart of stone and puts in us a heart of flesh. A soft, responsive heart. So guess what? Jesus has already done all the work. He already did, paid the sacrifice for sin. He already made a way into relationship with the Father. What is our job? Our job is to surrender our hard hearts of stone and let him give us a new heart of flesh with his laws written on it. I struggle with, I, I want to serve God, but I just can't seem to get it. Just get, just get the word inside of you. Just, just get it in there. Let it permeate. Let it, do, let it do its work inside of you. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of rough edges. 
And so his word comes in and it softens the edges. It, it, it softens the hardness. Can you say word? The second W of a watchman is warn. Say warn. So Ezekiel 3, verse 17, it starts with this. It says, Son of man, I have appointed you as a for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, uh-oh, they will die in their sins. And I will hold who responsible? You. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins. But you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. The second W is warn. And you know this one, <laughs> it's a little bit heavy. But this is so critical for us to understand. You see, God has given us, his church, the privilege of sharing this gospel with the whole world. But what is this warning? What is the warning that we're called to give? The warning is that there is a new king on the throne. Do you know what his name is? Jesus. King Jesus is seated on the throne. And if we would put our faith and trust in him, coming into his kingdom, letting him be the boss of our lives, then there is eternal life at the end of that. There's eternity spent with God. That's good news, right? But the reality is also the inverse. That if I refuse and reject Jesus, if I reject his lordship of my life, there's eternal separation from God. You see, this gospel message, it's not, it's not a cute message. The world doesn't want to hear it. It never will want to hear it. No matter how much salt we put on it, no matter how much sugar, no matter how much chocolate we try to put in the message, it is not palatable to the world because the gospel of Jesus Christ confronts our sin and it demands an answer. It demands something of us. We either change and come into the kingdom or we refuse and repent or we refuse to repent and we're separated from God. We've got a warning to give in counter church. But what does God tell Ezekiel? He's telling Ezekiel that he's got to be 100% obedient to tell the message. You know, and I think about Joshi again and there's so many times that we'll open up the garage, we're going to load up into the car and he books it out of the garage, straight down the driveway, because he sees some leaf. He's, a, he's big about picking up leaves right now. And it's cute, because then he'll put these leaves together, and he'll hand them to us, be like, I got this for you. And I'm like, oh, thank you for these dead leaves. So pretty. You know, he's, he's a fall kid. But he's a big about leaves, so he'll book it out of the garage. And so he's running with one focus. But what he doesn't see is the car that's coming down the street from our neighborhood. So as a good father, as a good watchman, what am I going to do? I'm going to shout. I'm going to run. I'm going to grab him. I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep him out of danger. But in the moment, he's mad at me. He's kicking and screaming and I just want to leave. You don't see there's a car coming. Church, some of us are so worried about offending people, myself included. We're so worried about stepping on toes. Oh, it's not loving. No, the lovingest thing I can do is keep him from getting hit by a car. The lovingest thing we can tell the world is at the end of this life, there is eternity. This life is but a, a vapor. It's but a whisper. There's eternity at the end of this. 
the lovingest thing I can do is say, hey, we have a choice. It's life or death. I don't know about you, but I get so wrapped up in what are they going to think? What will they think at the judgment seat when I haven't been faithful to warn? Church, we have a message to proclaim. We've got a job to do. And the reality is that we in the Western church, by and large, often suffer from what I call as ostrich syndrome. Let's put that on the screen, media team, would you? Ostrich syndrome. So it was early in research about ostriches. You know, they do this funky thing like you see where they bury their head in the sand. So early researchers thought that they did this only when predators were around. That somehow the ostrich was thinking, if I can't see them, they can't see me. I'm invisible. It's later found out that they're not that dumb, that they don't actually do that. But that's the, that's the origin of the phrase, burying your head in the sand. It, it, it's coming out of ostrich, all right? But many in the church, we suffer from ostrich syndrome. And it's like, the world is a wicked place. But instead of partnering with the Holy Spirit, instead of proclaiming the good news, we bury our head in the sand and see no evil, hear no evil. There won't be any evil. Wait for Jesus to come and then take me to heaven and glory. I'm, I'm fine again. We bury our heads in the sand. Well, there's a dying world. Well, there's a dying generation of young people that don't know. But we're pulling an ostrich. Guys, I've done this. I've done this so many times. But church, we have to wake up. Watchmen, we have to wake up. Because if we don't tell them, who will? If the church of Jesus Christ won't tell them the car is coming, who will? The world is telling them that they're fine. We have to rise up. What's our Christology principle here? You see, Jesus is the watchman for Israel. When Jesus came into the earth, what was, he preached more about hell than he did about heaven. It was double the amount that he preached about hell than heaven. He was telling people, repent and turn for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was literally like, guys, I'm here. Hello, I'm the king, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. Just put your trust in me and you'll be restored to the Father. Or else there's judgment. See, Jesus was the watchman. And when Jesus, when he was crucified and rose from the dead, Matthew 28, we are very familiar with this, many of us. He, he's before his disciples and what does he tell them? Go and preach this good news. So he commissions the church to be the watchman for our world now. Did you know that you're a watchman? If you've been born again by faith in Jesus, you're in his church. You're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're a watchman for this world. We've got a message to proclaim. So the first W was? word we got to get it inside of us the second w is warn we've got a message to proclaim and the third w of being a watchman is wonder can you say wonder, wonder. ezekiel three twenty three. so i got up and went and there i saw the glory of the lord just as i had seen in my first vision by the kebar river and i fell face down on the ground do you know what's amazing in counter church 
Ezekiel had these kinds of encounters with God that were both incredible and really weird. Like, have you seen those reels or the memes about, like, actual angels and what they looked like? And it, eyes and wings and fuzzy weirdness. It's, they look really interesting, all right? And Ezekiel had these crazy visions and these crazy encounters with God. But he had these kinds of encounters with God that many people will never see. Why? Because Ezekiel was a watchman. Because the word had sunk down deep into his heart, changed him from the inside out. Because he was faithful and obedient to God to declare the warning, to declare the message. And so God, he manifests his presence. God shows up with his glory in places where he is honored, where he is feared, and where he is revered. See, God shows up to, to a people that are willing to have his word come in and change us. God shows up to his people that are willing to be obedient to proclaim the message. It's to those people that they get to wonder in God's glory. I long with all my heart to be a kind of disciple that God would manifest his presence like this. I want to live in the wonder of God. I don't know about you, but when I come together, my heart yearns that God's glory would manifest in our midst. That this would be a place, like when we first planted the church, we began to pray because we had this word. That Encounter Church would be the place where even as people drove in, that they, they would say, God is here. I don't know about you, but that's what my heart burns for. That people would walk through these doors and they would say, man, I don't know what it is, but God is in this place. That happens to watchmen. That happens to those where the word has sunk down into their hearts, changed them from the inside out, and they are faithful and obedient to declare the warning of the gospel. So what's our Christology principle with wonder? John 1, 14, it says that Jesus is the glory of the Father. Jesus is the wonder of heaven. And so think about that. Jesus said that if when we receive him, that his very spirit would come inside of us. That his wonder, his glory would come to live inside of us. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the wonder of heaven lives inside of you. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I don't remember that. Oftentimes I don't think about that. But God's wonder is in you. So as we wrap up, watchmen, we've got three W's. Word, warn, and wonder. My prayer for you that every one of us in this room, my prayer is that we would be faithful watchmen. That we would be a people. That the word has changed us from the inside out. So that when we go out to the world to warn them and to share the gospel, people have a clear witness of Jesus. And my prayer is that as we do that, that God's wonder would grow in our midst. His presence would increase and manifest and that this would be a house that God is pleased to dwell in. So as we continue into a time of ministry, I'd ask the worship team to come on up. But being a watchman, it's not about religious performance. 
It's not about striving to be a better Christian, to be a better moral person. Being a watchman is not a a list of do's and don'ts and activities. Being a watchman is not... It's not any of those things. Being a watchman comes from, a, from my position. It comes from my place as a son or daughter of God. So you see, if I have given my life to Jesus, if I've placed my faith in Jesus, if I have allowed his blood to wash me clean of all my sin, if I've allowed his spirit to, to write his laws into my heart, if he has If I've been born again, if I've come alive on the inside, then that's the position of a watchman. I'm a son or a daughter of God. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that God has given us the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of an orphan. You see, what does an orphan spirit do? An orphan strives to get God's attention, to get God to focus on us, to get God to notice us and love us. But what is the spirit of adoption? The spirit of adoption knows I am already loved by my father. He already sent his son on the cross for me. I already have my position in his family. You see, I've languished in a place of of the orphan spirit for so many years. Maybe if I serve in ministry more or harder, if I see more people get saved, maybe God will love me more. Friend, there's no more he could love you than he already does now. If the price of something determines its value, the price God was willing to pay for us was the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Your value to God is Jesus. You couldn't earn that. You couldn't forfeit that. The price has already been paid. The question is, are you in? Or better yet, is he in you? I long that everyone in this room would know what I'm talking about. That his kingdom would be born inside of you. That it wouldn't be about religious performance. It wouldn't be about striving. It wouldn't be about being good enough for God. It would simply be So right now, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes for a second. Simply to look inside of your own heart, friend. Because this is probably the most important point of my message today. The most important thing that's happening right now is this. Are you born again? Is Jesus Christ inside of you? Are you alive from the inside out? Not are you serving? Not are you doing your daily Bible reading? Not are you a moral person? Not have you gone to church your whole life? Not, not, none of those things. Is Jesus alive inside of you today? He wants to be. Two thousand years ago, the word of God put on skin. He came into the very world that he created and lived a perfect, 
sinless life. He proclaimed the kingdom. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He manifested the Father on the earth. All for the purpose of laying his life down as a sacrifice, as an offering, because of my sin and your sin. You see, God loves us. You were created for love. You were created because God loves to have people that he can pour his affection on. But when we sin, we separate ourselves from that friendship with him. We take a step back from relationship with God. We're out of that perfect love relationship with our Father. And nothing could pull us back into the presence of the perfect holy God. Nothing that we could do, no amount of rules that we could we could adhere to, no amount of religious performance or moral perfectionism, none of it could do the job until Jesus. God put on flesh and lived a perfect life so that he could take all of our sin on himself. And he allowed himself to be hung on a cross like a criminal and crucified and punished. He shed his blood. He gave his life up as a sacrifice for you so that you and I could by faith receive forgiveness and enter back into a love relationship with the God of the universe. The price was paid in full. Sin's power is broken. Death no longer has its, its sting over us. Will I repent of a sinful life and receive salvation? With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I want you to look inside your own heart. And if today you're not in right relationship with God, if you're not born again, from the inside out. I just want you to slip up your hand and I wanna pray with you. Maybe you've never prayed to receive Jesus or maybe you find yourself separated from God, backslidden in your heart. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and I wanna pray with you. I'm gonna give a moment for this. If that's you with every eye closed, if you're far from God right now, pray this together as a family. And those of us that are born again, let's, let's just renew our covenant to God today. Let's all pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I've sinned. I've gone my own way. And today, I choose to turn away from that lifestyle. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive my thoughts, my words, 
my actions, every way that I've separated from you. And I ask God that you would wash me clean, that you would cleanse my heart. Give me a new heart, a heart of flesh, a soft heart. Write your words in my heart, Lord. Change me from the inside out. Jesus, I let go of religious performance. I let go of rebellion. I stop going my own way. And I choose to follow you, to go your way. Jesus, I give you my life. I will follow you today and every day. Be the Lord of my life, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, come and fill me up. Come and live inside of my heart. Help me to follow Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.